Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. This week, I'm stomping with Kagi Dunlop. Kagi is a podcaster, singer, and newly established author with her new book, Saturn Returns, Your Cosmic Coming of Age. Since leaving Made in Chelsea, or MIC, in 2012, Kagi has focused her career on guiding people during the turbulent times, which are your late 20s, with her podcast, Saturn Returns. She explores how to achieve calm during what she describes as a transitional time by speaking to famous guests and experts across relationships, psychology, and spirituality. I'm really excited for this conversation, and I know that Kagi, um, well, she describes herself as sober curious. And as someone that is over 100 days alcohol-free, point of recording this episode, I think it's really interesting to speak to someone who is kind of in that sober curious time and what has kind of encouraged or driven their interest in sobriety. Let's get on with this conversation. It's going to be a good one. Also, guys, it is now about a month until the Mind Manual is being published. 11th of May, it'll be published. I'm so proud of this book. I really would encourage you to get a copy. It is everything I've learned in my life to this point, professionally, personally, or the lessons that I've learned from um, experts, from leaders in this area, down to people that I've met that have talked about their struggles and what it means to be happy, what it means to go through grief, what it means to find themselves and to find peace. I really believe this book comes at this topic from a different angle, a modern perspective, and a way that I believe you will all relate to. So please do pre-order a copy. You can get signed copies from WH Smith or Waterstones or pre-order from Amazon, of course. Let's stomp. Do do, wait, yes, let's stomp. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. No, I let's love that stomp. you call it um, stomping because when during the pandemic, me and my one of my best friends, Kirsty, would just message each other saying, should we go for a stomp? And we would just go around Hyde Park. But it's nice to be in a... A different part. Yeah. I don't actually come here as do, much. I do not come here so much. I didn't no, know whether this was your kind of main place to stop. It is pretty close to where I live, yeah. but 
I go to Hyde Park more. Yeah, we've done a few stomps actually, the stomp cast in Hyde Park. It's kind of well, a. That's why it's probably it, good to change. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice, it's an, I've, I don't think I've ever been here. I've certainly haven't been to this section. It's really beautiful. We're, so, welcome uh, everyone to the stomp cast. I hope you're all well. I love you all in this community. Um, and I'm joined by the wonderful Kagi. We're going to go on a brilliant walk. We're, is this a Japanese garden we're going to now? Yeah, it's just this? around here. We're in Holland Park. Uh, we're in the Japanese garden. It's kind of, if anyone's been to Holland Park, I guess you'll recognise it as being a mixture of kind of foresty areas, kind of got a bit of greenery and open space. Um, very beautiful actually, isn't it? I can imagine the summer is gorgeous. It is. I did come here on my own the other day for a stomp. Did you? But I don't know it as well, well as I should. Well, so let's I'm going to hopefully... Let's, ex let's explore let's and explore, see. Let's explore, exactly. So, I mean, you said that you went for a stomp with one of your best friends. Has walking been a part of your kind of well-being and health and routines in general? Huge. And I would say, actually, it's probably my most important well-being practice. Mm. And I think it just sounds like quite, quite a boring one to recommend to people. Do you know what I mean? When people are like, so what are your spiritual practices or what are your well-being things? I'm like, I really like walking. But it really came about, like many people during the pandemic, when there was really very little else to yeah. do. And that was kind of a lifeline for me. Yeah. And I think it was for many people. Me And like I said, me and my best friend Kirsty would meet up. Or Shout would... out to Kirsty for yeah. being a fellow stomper. Yeah, we love she is Kirstie. a stomper. And, um, but sometimes we'd actually just go there independently, but we'd always sort of find each other. It was really yeah. strange because obviously Hyde Park's pretty big, but we'd always sort of bump into each other, even though we'd never go we'd a gravitate. set route. We gravitate. would. We would gravitate towards each other. So yeah, I try and keep it up. I don't always get it perfectly every week, but I do notice a big difference in my my mental health. I um I was speaking to I got a cab over here, and shout out to cab drivers by the way because I, they're a, they're a great bunch, they're part of history in London, and sadly we're seeing a lot of cab drivers leaving the industry. Anyway, I got a cab over here, and I was talking to the cab driver, and he interestingly said that walking was huge for him, and he said it's like. You're almost like addicted to, to walking, but it's kind of almost a healthy addiction, uh, it's, which is an odd paradox in itself. But I guess what he means is that walking is really helpful for, for him and his own mm -hmm. mental health. We're starting, there's a squirrel having a little chew yeah, on something. admiring little squirrels. It, it little... looks sort of like a little wildlife sanctuary over here. And there's some amazing fish in here. This is lovely. So it oh, is, wow, no one there's... really knows about this spot. Gosh, that is this beautiful. Yeah. I can see why you've got some lovely fish in the, uh, in the ponds here. I guess they're carp, eh? Yeah, I think like they it. are. I mean, I could Big be completely carp, getting I'd this say. wrong, but I feel like they are Japanese. I, 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 I guess they, they may well be. Who knows whether you they're from Japan or not. <laughs> they might actually just be from down the road, <laughs> East maybe. London somewhere. But, but uh, you can feel yeah. the sort of Japanese influence yeah. here. It's oh, very it's absolutely beautiful. tranquil. It's absolutely beautiful and very um, peaceful. Interesting, the Japanese culture, of course, they, they practice a huge amount of mindfulness. And if you kind of look at historically, the kind of incorporation of like meditation, mindfulness, presenteeism is a big part of, of their culture. And so much of what we do now, including walking, uh, stomping, or whatever, is incorporating the stuff that people have been doing for thousands of years, really, isn't it? Yeah. And it's kind of bringing it. And that's what I find fascinating about so much of health and well-being is actually most of what we're talking about isn't new. It's just not practiced anymore as much as, or in the way 100%. that perhaps it was. Most of these things, and this, you know, I, I'm sure you find it in your work, but in the work that I do, it's not so much a case of these new age mm. things. It's really a case of remembering yeah. ancient practices. Yeah, whether that's kind of going, like back a... to, going back to actually what fundamentally what was 
or has always been good for us. Mm-hmm. So I was mentioning the, the cab drivers and I was saying, I was mentioning the cab driver who brought me over here and uh, we were talking about, you know, what have you been up to, like, what's going on? I said, oh, I've just come back from Spain and I've been out there riding motorbikes, doing track days, which has been really fun, but my routine is completely thrown. It's kind of in a different place. You know, you don't really sleep as well in your, when you're in a hotel. Um, you kind of feel a bit thrown. I didn't kind of have as much the free time as I would have. And I just didn't end up doing any actual stomping. And I honestly, honestly feel that it, it made me feel worse. And I know that sounds, that sounds so odd and people might be saying, what a horrible violin that you have. Or we're gonna get out a violin for you. What a horrible time you must have had, you know, riding motorbikes in the sun. And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the experience and I had a great time. But I do also feel it rocked me a bit and I come back and I've been feel, felt so much better the last few days of going out for walks, getting back into my routine and it's kind of like a, it's just like a drug almost, isn't it, going out and stomping? I can relate to that and I think a lot of people do, you know, when you go abroad, your routine gets thrown off and then not only that but it pro- usually gets replaced with some things that aren't mm. as good for you. Yeah. And so I don't like holidays where I come back feeling like I need a holiday. I like to find a routine immediately mm. when I go to a different place. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be a little bit obsessive sometimes because yeah. it's like the place where I go to walk or go and do a gym class or go and get my matcha or like find the cafes and places that I like. So I know that I can find that sense of routine wherever I am. And that gives me a feeling of kind of, I don't know, like safety in yeah. a way. Because kind of holidays, oddly, a lot of the time don't end up being actual holidays in terms of relaxation, do they? You kind of hinted that there. I mean. This has probably been the first holiday I've ever gone on, actually, where I haven't drunk any alcohol. And, and, I, and I've, I definitely enjoyed it so much more because, A, mixing alcohol and high-speed bikes is a terrible idea. idea yeah. um, but I, I, that did benefit me, I think, hugely. But in the past, I found so much of going away. We see more squirrels. Everyone loves taking a photo of a squirrel here, apparently. Um, <laughs> I've definitely found that holidays in the past, so I've ended up coming back more tired, feeling hungover, feeling generally worn down than I went, particularly skiing holidays for some reason. Maybe it's all the yeah, apres. Yeah, all the apres. Yeah, exactly. Have you found that your relationship then with holidays going away or, well, you know, and I don't necessarily mean going abroad, but just might be mean physical breaks, I guess, and from your kind of day to day. Have you found that those, or that has changed in the way you spend that time? Like when you're younger, I think in your 20s, certainly for me, it was kind of like going away with your friends. You end up partying quite a bit. Yeah. Probably drinking a bit too much alcohol and you end up coming back feeling knackered. Like, did you have that experience? Has that kind of changed oh, now? Yeah, I definitely had that in my 20s, like most of us. But now it has slightly changed. The thing is that, because my boyfriend loves to travel and so often when we go away, it's like, you know, we might have different ideas of yeah. what a holiday is. For instance, his day-to-day in London is quite is very structured, mm. it's an office job. So mm-hmm. when he goes away, he wants to just explore, right. be going all over the place. Whereas my life in London is quite unstructured okay. and I'm doing different things all the time. It's, you know, there's a lot of diversity, which is very exciting. So when I go on holiday, I like things to just be quite simple. I don't really have to think about right. it. And I really enjoy coming back feeling like I properly relaxed. I've been reading, I've been looking after my body and I feel ready to kind of get back into the London hustle rather than feeling like, you know, we said a second ago, I need another mm. break. And I also really like 
I like trips that I can tie in to work in some capacity yeah. for me. I, I'm one of those people that if I'm abroad or away for too, like too many days and not really doing anything productive, I yeah. get a little bit. Yeah, I feel like that. Do you certainly. know what I mean? What is interesting, and I really had a bit of a reflection when I was away on, on this trip, and I wonder what your kind of thoughts are on it. But I find that in this society, we kind of really glorify travel and go away and you've got to find yourself and you've got to go and do all these different things. And I guess you, with a lot of what you do in the book, which we'll come on to, you kind of focus, I guess, on how to kind of deal with that kind of late 20s and 30s time, which I think we kind of try to resettle again. But so much of this kind of pressure is like, go out there, travel, see the world. But actually, I find that when I'm away, I generally want to go back to my dog, my walks, the coffee shop that I know, my family, my friends, and my routine. So I just wonder, like, is travel actually that good for us? Or is it actually just like going away reminds you how much you want to be at home? <laughs> well, I guess the question is this, how much do you love your life at home? Yes, that's a good question. And I Indeed. would say for a lot of people, Indeed. you know, I feel in a, a very similar way. I, I want to cultivate a life that I love mm. every day that's yeah. stimulating, that's exciting. So a holiday for me isn't, I don't want to escape my life. Yeah. I don't want to get away to kind of pretend I'm not doing the job I'm doing. And I realize that I'm very lucky mm. that I can say that. I think for a lot of people, they do want to just escape things yeah. a little bit. So I think that plays a big part. And also it's very individual. If, if travel is like a high priority on your list, because people get very inspired by travel. They want to experience different cultures and things like that, which is fantastic. And they get a lot out of it, but each to their own, mm. I guess. Yeah, and, and the thing I find fascinating is that when you watch people, and I deliberately kind of watched, when I with my friend, I kind of watched his kind of some of his behaviors, also some of the behaviors of people that I didn't know, so kind of watching from afar. And you do just kind of notice that, that even if you go to a completely new environment, say you go to visit a country on this side of the world with a completely different culture to the one you're from, you still try to find your regular kind of things or habits or routines, don't you? You generally get up a similar time, yeah. you try and find a coffee somewhere, you kind of, you actually find yourself falling into a set of behaviours that actually feel like your normal routine. And it's kind of like where you see people go, right, I'm going to backpack the world. Even if you do, I bet you the things you do and how you spend your time each day, it may be on a different side of the planet, but you'll probably do the similar things to what you did at home. Now, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate to travel and see different things. I just think human behaviour is fascinating. And I think regardless of where you are, what underpins your health is probably a similar set of habits and similar set of 100%. factors that come together. I guess maybe it's part of it is to do with the fact that, you know, travel has perhaps changed me and what I do on holiday has changed. And I understand that you are super curious too, right? And I was, that was me before the last 110, 120 days. I don't know if I'm, do I count as being sober now? I guess I, ha I do. I I'm abstaining so. from alcohol, but I was sober curious for a long time. Like, where are you at with all of that? Well, that actually played a really big part in sort of my relationship to going away because mm. sometimes I'd be invited to things, especially at, this was even before I was like on the sober curious path. Mm. If I was invited on holidays and I knew it was going to be just one big piss up, basically, mm. I wouldn't want to go. And that was even before I wasn't drinking. I just knew that I would feel terrible at the end of it. And then, of course, that does play quite a big role in my decision making on going on holidays because that's, really that's just not on my agenda. But it's been, it's been a really interesting journey, the sort of sober curious thing for me. And, and for those that don't know, it's a term coined by Ruby Warrington, yes. who has a podcast and a book by the same name. 
and it was when I was about, I'd just turned 30 and I'd been sort of, I don't know if I want to say battling, cause that, but there was a bit of battling going on between mm. being sober and then trying to normal drink. Mm. I say that sort of quote unquote because I don't think there is such thing yeah. as normal drinking. Yeah, have this glass of something that's very addictive and control it. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy, but, sip with pleasure. But if you think about like it is absurd <laughs> if you actually unpack it. Of course but it is. If you go to a dinner party or a party and you say, oh, I don't want to drink, people do question you as if yes. there's something strange about that. And people not even just question sometimes, they don't trust you. They think that yeah, you're, you're like, what I is your trust, agenda? You yeah. don't drink. I, I've heard many people say, I don't trust people who don't drink. Yeah, but I think that's more of a reflection on their own stuff. But I, I, you know, I know it's a really complex and difficult journey because it has been for me to really come to terms with the fact that it just doesn't agree with me. You know, there's AA and then I felt like there was sort of everybody else. Mm. And I didn't resonate with AA. It wasn't something that was an addiction that was out of control. I just knew that it, it didn't agree with my body or my system. Yeah. But I found it hard to find a language or a community that understood yeah. that. A lot of it has changed now and I think there's so much progress being made. Mm. But there's still, I think it still needs people still need a lot of encouragement um, to recognize, because mm. I know how hard it was to recognize that mm. in myself. And the sort of sober curious term means that I felt like whenever I tried to go completely sober, mm. it would always set me up for a massive fall. Yeah. Because then if I found myself in a situation where I had a glass, because I'd feel so guilty that I had a mm. glass, I would end up having like 50. Mm. Oh, yeah. maybe not, yeah, but sure. you know. Yeah. Impressive, or maybe not actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> generally a bad outcome from that one yeah, yeah and it's just for me having that sort of flexibility has been helpful yeah. but at the moment to be completely transparent I'm wondering you know one of my dear friends Africa Brooke who's mm. also she's sober she was like you know what do you know why you can't sort of fully yeah lean into the sobriety yeah. and I'm not entirely sure well, what about I, you? I, um, I've, I've been sober now for about, I don't know, it's like 150, 120 days. And I think I was sober curious probably for about eight years. I and think. what does that mean? Like, how does <laughs> that me How did that sort of manifest in your life? Were you, were you just well, not I think, drinking I, I most think, of um, the time? I think, uh, I mean, the sober curious word, like you said, it's been kind of phrased um, brilliantly, actually, because I think most of the barriers towards people not drinking alcohol was the feeling that the only reason that you shouldn't be drinking alcohol is if you had a, a, a terrible addiction. Yeah. We were suffering physical harm. But yeah. in actual fact, it's actually a huge barrier to people because having a problem, problem relationship with drinking doesn't necessarily mean you're an alcoholic, but it's still a problem. And a lot of people actually suffer from the side effects or the negative, I guess, fallouts from drinking alcohol. But because they don't feel that they are, quote unquote, or the commas, addicted they don't that feel that bad. it's worth stopping yeah. yeah all that bad it's kind of like the barriers where people struggle with their mental health and they go well am i bad enough for psychology yeah. am i bad enough for a therapist and they go, actually you don't need to wait till rock bottom before you yeah. kind of make a change and for me i think it's been seven or eight years i took took me to reading um some of the books i guess in, in sobriety um catherine gray's book i didn't expect the joys of being sober um, was, I think, the stepping stone or I think the tipping point probably is a better way uh, for me making the decision. And I think the big barrier I felt for many years, and I suspect what you're feeling is like, am I there? Do I need to fully stop? But you feel like in the middle ground. And to be honest with you, 
I think the middle ground is the worst place to be. It's like you know yeah. that drinking actually isn't really helpful, but you also don't feel that you're fully in the other camp either. So you're yeah. kind of stood. <laughs> and I'm, no I'm standing here. Like, you've got one foot <laughs> that side, the other, the, the other on the other side, and your groin struggling in the middle. Um, and, uh, and so it, that's, that, I found that really challenging. And it was such a relief actually just to step over in, onto the other side. And since then, you know, yeah, I've, so I, I mean, right. I'm not very much not weight centric, but it's undeniable. I've lost a lot of weight. I'm much fitter, enjoy my exercise. What gets me up in the morning is exactly that, the mornings. I love the morning, I love walking my dog. So I asked myself the question basically, like does alcohol and drinking alcohol align with the things that give me joy and happiness on this earth? And they don't, everything works against, every, every, alcohol works against everything that I love and I enjoy and I believe in and therefore, when I looked at it in that light, it was a simple answer. It's undeniable. It's an undeniable thing. And I joked about it earlier on, but it is absolutely crazy to me in a society and that it's embedded so deeply in all of us, including me, that, you know, alcohol is like something we give to young people and say, right, learn to control this addictive substance. Here's this incredibly addictive, not even substance, poison. This addictive, this addictive poison, learn to control it. Or, and also it's introduced in this way that it's, as soon as you start socialising, which makes all of this deconditioning so much harder. Yes. Because if you are someone that's slightly introverted, which I, I consider myself to be, and can be quite shy and have social anxiety yes. in big groups, my yeah, coping strategy for those environments is was alcohol. always... Yeah. yeah, it just gave me that sort yeah, of... I relate to that. ...that liquid safety net. Sure. But then, of course, the consequences were it meant that, you know, my relationship with it was to alleviate yeah. feelings that I couldn't handle. Yeah. And then it meant that I would sort of dive into it and, and often get it very wrong. And I yeah. think that, you know, it didn't bring out the best in me. Well, I found personally, I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I think your situation, I suspect, was quite different with the way that you... In terms of, I guess, the trajectory that fame came to you, but for me it was literally nine weeks before I was completely unknown, 200 followers on Instagram, then I had like a million, whatever, right. and you're known. And so for me that also the alcohol was kind of, well, I think, I think the alcohol was, you know, I, I, I struggle, I'm an introvert and going into busy environments with people, I always find that anxiety inducing. So alcohol was that gateway to mm-hmm. being in those environments or allowing me. And one of the things I do think has been challenging as when stopping drinking is exactly that, is that you perhaps want to lean less into those environments or go and do those yeah. things. And it has been a bit of questioning. And I, and I always try and give a balanced view of things. I think one of the negative sides or negative things around stopping drinking is exactly that. I do think that you become or you might become less social unless you're very careful. Because yeah. why would I want to spend my evenings in pubs full of alcohol where everyone's getting drunk telling the same story three times over. I don't want yeah. to do that. But also, if I just retreat into my own home all the time... You're not going to feel good either. You think become isolated. So I do think that socialising requires more work when you stop drinking. Yes. I, I think it definitely does. And, and I don't agree with the idea that you can't have fun without drink. That's rubbish. I mean, I've gone, I've gone on nights out and gone, I'm not drinking, let's go and do it. And you actually enjoy it. And actually, one of the best buzzes you have is going home in the cab, feeling fantastic, knowing that you're going to the gym in the morning yeah. and you're going to walk the dog. And that is a better high than anything else. Well, I always call it the investment in tomorrow's you. So it's, it's sort of weighing out that short-term pleasure versus yeah, fantastic. the long-term pain. So in, you know, usually what would happen, I'd go to a party, I'd feel that 
short-term sort of anxiety yeah. and to make it better I would drink which would sure. cause me long-term pain the next day yeah. and it's just about flipping that and going okay I'm actually gonna because it's not that you don't feel those uncomfortable yeah. feelings you do still feel yeah. shy awkward whatever and you actually have to face those and confront those feelings head-on mm. and have different tools to cope with them but then you have that long-term pleasure of feeling a million dollars the next day when you wake up and able to go and do all the things you wanted to do and not having that anxiety that everyone talks about that can just be so awful and for me it used to last oh god the best part of a week yeah i, I think really when you say it doesn't agree whole... i think it's absolutely right some people everyone is different and therefore everyone's effect upon taking alcohol is going to be different some people might listen and go well actually don't get hangover i don't feel the need to drink that much alcohol my relationship is fine and that's not when and i'm not demonizing at the end of the day i only yeah. control what i do no no, no control at all desire to control what anyone else does their behavior is just to hopefully inform people to make their own decisions from an informed uh, decision but i'm the same as you i mean especially through my going through my 20s you just kind of the hangovers are like three or four days and i'm not i'm not wasn't someone who's drinking every night you know I, I i kind of would go out probably depending on my work schedule and what's going on i might go out for you know four or five pints on a thursday and maybe on a friday i'd you know drink more than that or maybe i would get a bit of drunk on a friday or whatever but that is probably pretty representative of most guys my age mm -hmm. and actually you know that happens probably around the country but the, for me it meant that the whole week was then like oh, just recovering I'm my five yeah i'm like five ten fifteen percent down on where i want to be yeah and which if you actually weigh life. all that up in your life mm. how much time you're taking away from yourself to actually achieving the goals that you want to and like you say when you actually generally live your life sober you can achieve so much more oh and that's gosh. such a fantastic byproduct of it. But Absolutely. did you have any help going sober? Was it just reading? Do you know, this is where positive? social media is actually an amazing thing, is having people on social media that I related to. It's kind yeah. of like when I was diagnosed with ADHD. I had far more help online and seeing communities and people that had already done it than any NHS website. And that's the yeah. fact. And I think, you know, we are quick often to pile into, you know, social media. But just as with podcasts, I hope people listen to mine as they do listen to yours and take away that sense of, like, I feel like I relate to that person mm -hmm. and they find benefit from it. And I definitely found so much help. I mean, from... You know, seeing people that were sober curious or people who had been on extreme ends of addiction or people who had kind of just made the decision, kind of like I did, where I was like, I just generally feel better if I don't drink. Yeah. Seeing people who are before that process, doing that process and well beyond that process just helped me get through it all, I think. And it, I think that was for me, that together with the books was enough for me. And however, you know, it's important to say, I mean, if you are struggling with addiction, it's absolutely zero shame getting help from AA or whatever support services that you need. You know, it's just my own personal experience. You know, there's no yeah. badge of honour that I did it that way. And if anyone does no, it another course. way, like, it's very, it's, well, that's everyone's why different. I ask, because it's such a unique personal relationship that we all have. It's not this one size fits yeah. all. And it's, it's a bit of a controversial thing to say, but I wrote about this in the book, is that I believe, you know, addiction, the spectrum of addiction, depending on how much ownership you take of the relationship you have with alcohol, you can sort of push yourself along that mm. line. And mm. I say that from personal experience. Yeah. I believe that if I hadn't had that sort of personal sovereignty of recognizing that something really was not only not working for me, but yeah. I was using it in a destructive manner, mm. I could have ended up for at sure. a place where 
you know, sure. I was addicted. Like there we was said earlier on, you don't have to wait to rock bottom to realise exactly. it's coming or that, that you might end up there. Well, on that note, um, I think it's a lovely point for us to say that we're at the end of part one of the Stompcast. Thank you so much for joining me so far. And everyone, well done getting out stomping. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation. I feel nicely relaxed, limbered up and uh, ready for part two. See you all very soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. These days, having versatile clothing you can wear anywhere is a must. That's why American Giant makes all sorts of versatile any-weather staples, hoodies, jackets, and more. Whether you're buying a gift or stocking your closet, you'll find just what you need. And it's all made right here in the USA. Find your new wardrobe staples at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your order when you use code AnyStyle24 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code AnyStyle24.